We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Boston Celtics got blown out today. The Clippers have fallen to 0-2 uh, after, how do we say it, uh, prioritizing health to end the regular season. And the Lakers tied up the, the series with the Phoenix Suns in an absolute thriller of a game. Mike, I was thinking while watching that very nervously, this is the only second round series happening in the NBA right now. I know it's technically the first round, but the Suns are good and the Lakers are good too. And this is like second round caliber basketball. Just a hell of a game, man. What stands out to you from tonight? Oh, man, Pete, so many things like this is one of those where I I'm excited to hear what both of you guys thought as well. Um, I I thought that the Lakers should have been up by 20 for most of the game. And it was it was frustrating that they weren't. And it was this weird mix of just literally everybody from a role player perspective. Right. So take out put Schroeder and Drummond into the mix with LeBron and AD there for kind of guys that were at least primary options here and there. Nobody else could hit a shot. You know, yeah, KCP 0 for 4, Kuzma 0 for 2, Caruso um, 0 for 2 from 3, THT 0 for 2, Wesley Matthews 0 for 2. Like, like they just didn't get a contribution from any of the guys that were left open because of the focus of the defense. And then they put the Suns on the free throw line a bunch of times and they didn't need to. They closed out or they didn't close out to a three-point shooter. They had three guys going to the middle of the paint and let Cam Johnson hit those two threes late in the third. So, so many easily correctable mistakes and or missed opportunities. And yet they still end up winning. You know, I don't want to say easily because, of course, Phoenix took that lead late. But but, you know, ultimately, the Lakers still were in firm control um, right when LeBron and AD decided to, to, to be there. 
So what they wanted to do at worst was get a split, go home with home court. They did that. Uh, it wasn't pretty. All the times, I think they are lacking Darius a lot of the uh, a lot of some, that continuity that we saw them play in to the postseason last year, and maybe that's what's responsible for some of that lack of sharpness. But ultimately, when they brought their effort, when they brought the proper aggression, they were too much for Phoenix um, for the most part, and and I think that's the encouraging part. We can talk about LeBron's unique game and how that you know there are some good signs and some some potentially signs that are issues of him not driving um, on that ankle, but. That's overall what I took is like, yeah, the, the Lakers are the better, bigger, more athletic team. They should have they should have uh, been up by more than they were. Uh, what was your takeaway, man? I'm curious. Just a very interesting game from the context of this was a real strength on strength game to me. It was so Chris Paul being banged up is really hurting the Suns in in real ways, but I thought campaign really gave them a great spark as a scoring threat to pair with Booker. And, and so it's Phoenix's guards against the Lakers physicality and, and big players. And so Drummond was huge tonight. Dennis Schroeder, he had, I, I feel like, some rough defensive moments, but there were some really good just he carried the Lakers for a stretch there, man. Le- LeBron was having a hard time driving to the basket and Schroeder being able to get there helped to collapse and puncture that defense in a way that I- I'm not sure LeBron can do right now. We'll talk more about that later, but Dennis's ability to get to the rim was so big for us tonight. So Dennis driving, drumming on the glass and and really attacking the offensive backboards and Anthony Davis, man, like this is the version of AD that the Lakers need, especially with some of the lack of paint touches for LeBron, right? Like the Lakers need to make up for that some somewhere else. And Dennis helped with that a great deal tonight, but it was AD man. Like, what 21 trips to the foul line this Huge. game mm-hmm. um a lot of them just on on attacking moves and, and great activity in the paint defensively and and on the backboards he he drew a lot of fouls Pete just by just by being around the basketball and being active right it doesn't need to be oh it's a shooting foul it's i'm going up for a contested rebound and a guy reaches in and grabs my arm and that's a foul that's and, right and then and the Lakers are in the, the penalty mm-hmm. yeah and mm-hmm. then if you're in the penalty that's two free throws and he was massive at the foul line tonight we'll get to lebron a little bit later but just the shot making that he exhibited in certain stretches of this game were, were just major too. like what stands out to you though, Pete, like, like there were so many things I think that, that like we're focusing offensively, but, but defensively the Lakers put on another strong, strong game against a Phoenix team that typically does not make a lot of mistakes offensively. Yeah. I haven't done my rewatch yet, but from, First impression, I thought the starters were great, especially on the defensive end. That starting group, we were – the first play of the game, AD got a block on Booker where 
Drummond showed on him initially in the contain, but then sprinted right back to Aiton. And AD had peeled off of, I think, the strong side defender. Again, I got to watch the tape. But he and got the block on that. And we turned them over, I think, seven times in that first quarter and mixing up our coverages. We really showed how that unit in particular, the, that starting unit, can really get after it on the defensive end and force turnovers. I thought the game started to get away from us when we ran less and we run less when we forced fewer turnovers. We switched a little bit, but yeah, there, there were some exciting nuggets that we can build off of going uh, toward the rest of the series as well. Pete, the point that you just made there, which I think is so key, is that that early defensive energy and effort, look at the Warriors in the second half, look at last year, anytime they had to get something done in the postseason, right? Like game twos after they lost one, after Miami won a game. That's the team. That's the beast that comes out. Okay, that kind of pressure. LeBron's in the middle of the lane. ADs are they're just everywhere, and that's what happened. And the, the frustrating part of that first half was the not taking advantage of it by just missing wide open threes. So it's like they they're getting back though to what the Lakers can do. That's what LeBron said the other day is Laker basketball, and I'm glad Darius picked me up. I somehow failed to mention AD's aggression. Uh, in my initial point, which is, of course, the most important part of this. And the reason why I was a little bit more chilled on the last pod and, you know, even understanding why the level of frustration was there, because, hey, why don't you know that in advance? Why don't you play like that first? And it's like, yeah, but he's not going to do that two nights in a row. I, he, he's definitely going to be more aggressive. Darius pointed out the 21 free throw attempts. And what that did was allow for LeBron to not have to do the typical LeBron thing in a playoff game where he's just barreling to the rim because nobody was going to stop him on this Suns team if he did that. And, you know, he didn't – he hasn't uh, – at this point, I mean, he hasn't talked as we're recording yet post game. I, I, my guess is he's not going to say anything about if the ankle was bothering him a little bit. But the fact that he only had three field goal attempts in the paint, they were all in transition in the first half, uh, That I think that tells you something. And yet – Darius, nine assists, one turnover, still like a masterful floor game. So Bron's going to find a way deep. Like he's going to find a way. And, and even the fact that he could do it without driving like that, uh, AD helped out. But that was a, a, an important thing to me to watch moving forward. So speaking of the starting group, Pete, um, 14 minutes tonight against the Suns in this game to I'm looking at the stats right now. Defensive rating of 88.9 in in those 14 minutes. They were a plus 10 as a group in in those 14 minutes. Also, uh, offensive rating of 125.9, right? So yes, that was a dominant performance from the Lakers starters as as a core five and for all the talk that we had last game about um mark need will will needing to play i don't know if any of us three necessarily advocated for for him to start because i think you made the point last game pete that like drummond was good like in the first game (laughs) and and the game really started to turn actually when drummond went out Right. And it wasn't that the Lakers starters were so bad. It was that they couldn't cobble together the right bench units, I think, that could hang with some of the Suns' offensive options when the lineup started to change up. And a lot of that was Anthony Davis. But we saw some of those same struggles tonight because, like you pointed out earlier, the role players just haven't shown up offensively. And if any of these shots fall 
man. Like at one point, I tweeted this out, but at one point, the Lakers were five for 27 from three, right? And, and Dennis and LeBron had combined at that point to be five for 10. So that means the rest of the team from three was two for 17. <laughs> and, and at that point, I think Mark was one for three. So if those guys are six for 13, right, that means everyone else is only one for 14. And these were good looks, right? It's not like these were, oh, Phoenix is flying all over the place offensively. It was, you know, yeah, guess what? We're not closing out on KCP. We're not really closing out on coups like KCP. You're going to get a couple of open shots and, and none of these fell. And honestly, I was so hoping that KCP would have hit that opening three, the one that just missed long, right? Like defensive stop Lakers run out, um, kick out to KCP and he just missed it. He and, and it was a lot of that tonight that I think speaks to your point, Mike, about like, man, they really could have blown this game open a couple of different times. And, and and credit to Phoenix, but also just like the Lakers have to start making some shots, guys. That was the only missing piece to blowing it open was just our jump shooting. I tweeted out earlier in the game that if we make a jump shot, if we can get our jumpers, jumpers going, we'll be in business. And that you know, sort of came around in the fourth quarter. AD hit a big shot. LeBron hit some jumpers, right, as as he's yeah. wont to do. But by and large, our role players did not shoot well. With KCP right at the, the lead of that, he's in both games, has missed wide open shots. The one thing I do want to give him credit for, and it was part of why he was one of our better plus minus guys, he really helped clean up the long offensive rebounds that we were yes. giving up. He got to three or four where he was sprinting and he anticipated, which you have to do in your guard, and taking that angle and getting to it just a half step before before somebody else did. He was really huge on that. Close down the foul line really well. Phoenix is a jump shooting team for the most part, and some of those misses just carry them long, right? And you have to be a good out-of-area chaser as a guard. You have to close down that foul line, and you have to scramble and get your nose in there. And also, too, he did a pretty good job on Devin Booker late, especially, I thought. Like, forced a couple of turnovers. He had that one strip, knocked it off of Booker's leg, and, and sort of kept the Lakers' run going, right? Because Booker, I thought, in the second half was really starting to be like, okay, I ain't got my wingman in Chris Paul tonight. I got to pick up the pace and start scoring. And and he did. He started to get going. He drew a couple fouls. He made some jumpers. He was really snaking the pick and roll and, and making the Lakers bigs like stick stick with him and then making their rotations harder. And and it was one of the reasons why Aiton had another really good good game tonight. But but I thought KCP late was like, look, man, I'm 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 standing up now and i'm cutting off that left-hand drive for the pull-up that that booker loves and when he drove right he was doing a really good job of, of disrupting his dribble a little bit and 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 just being a, a really strong defensive player when i felt like that's what the lakers identity is right like they need their guards to show up defensively and late i thought kcp was great at that and so even though the shots didn't fall like 
shout out to him for just competing defensively and keeping his head on that end of the floor because that's where the Lakers really needed him. Yo, Pete, maybe we could uh, we'll save the Chris Paul injury situation and just the you know what LeBron's ankle is or isn't going to allow him to do for the second half because I, I wanted to stick on Darius's point there quickly in the fourth quarter and campaign gave them a, a terrific lift offensively. It made me think a little bit, and this isn't an exact uh, correlation, but like when Kendrick Perkins went out in 2010 and the Celtics went to Rasheed Wallace, Sheed was going to give them a certain element of scoring and spacing that they didn't get from Perkins, but they lost some other intangible things there. And down this stretch, when Chris Paul wasn't in there and Payne was, they had him as a scoring threat. Uh, he hit that three right over Crusoe. Um, he got to the paint one time, but he wasn't going to get them in the right situation and get them for the right. Like they have, that's where the, Chris Paul is so important. And the Lakers had LeBron to do that right. on the other end. And, and that, that was kind of, to me, that was the big difference later. And, and why, again, whatever percentage LeBron is at, he, like, he knows the game. He's been in the film room, Pete. Okay, (laughs) so that to me was the ultimate difference. Like, because the Lakers weren't they weren't like Phoenix was in the zone. They were they were keeping them out of the paint for whatever reason. But that that I thought was a major a major difference in in a big deal. Oh, 100 percent. The ability to organize and get everybody in the right spots is just just huge. And part of it comes to what you always say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mike is is a team that is really reliant upon guards. There's some things like campaign can't can't save a, an offensive possession that's bad by posting his guy up and shooting a 20-foot fadeaway over somebody's outstretched arms. He just can't. LeBron James at his size can do that. So uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, Lakers made a lineup change tonight that we've been all clamoring for. I want to talk to you guys about how, how that went down. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. 
And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So Mark played tonight, Darius, uh, and Trez did not. That's right. We saw there wasn't a change in the starting lineup, which proved to be successful in this game, right? We talked earlier about how the starters were were really good in this game. Mark came in at the part where I really was hoping that he would toward the end of that first quarter, toward the end of the third. And the Lakers closed with him as well. I thought it was an up and down game from him. I will give my yeah. point of view as well. I don't think he had a great individual game, but... He was out there in a game that that we won, and maybe in watching the tape, I'll see more positives from him individually. But I do think that his presence in that same vein of what Mike was talking about, about having a guy who knows what he's doing and yeah. can help organize the way that LeBron can, Mark is is in that same line. And I, I thought he was helpful tonight, even though he has some problems, I think, with the nature of, of Phoenix's scoring attack on the defensive end. So I think we should look at Mark in three parts this game i thought Ooh. his i thought his first shift was actually really good mm-hmm. i thought he i thought he was impactful defensively he had like one of those knockaway block steals that he has when a guy goes goes up for for a floater and he, he gets had, it while they're still in their hands yeah yeah mm-hmm. he had a couple of really good traps on devin booker because the lakers sort of changed up their point of attack defense with the screen and roll and the guard, instead of going back to Aiton or the roll man, he was really chasing hard to go back to the guard instead. And the Lakers were sinking low man to sort of help with the rolling big. And Mark was doing a good job of negotiating that space a little bit, I thought. And he got a couple of good traps on Booker, And I thought made the sun sort of reset their offense, right? Which is one of the major goals, I think, of what the Lakers are trying to accomplish defensively against every opponent. It's it's we're going to stifle your first action, your your primary action, and then we're going to try to make you kick the ball back out in order to reset your offense and play later into the shot clock where our scrambling then forces you to make decisions that you're not typically accustomed to making or having to shoot against the shot clock. So I thought Mark was really good in that portion of the game when Booker was on the floor then when Chris Paul came onto the floor it started to change because what Chris Paul started to do is he started to snake the pick and roll and change Marcus Gasol's angles right and he started to draw him to different parts of the floor and then then Mark was in a bit of no man's land Right. And he then wasn't getting up to contest those little pull away jumpers that Paul was shooting. And then I thought in the second half in Mark's next shift, it was the same. And Booker sort of took cues from what Chris Paul was doing. And it started to go sideways 
for Marcus Saul a little bit, right? So that whole no man's land point that you made, uh, that's because Mark's in kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation in that Phoenix is a team, especially with Chris Paul and Devin Booker, when you're in a drop coverage Ideally, you want Mark either pressed all the way up on a guy in in trapping and then rotating or dropped back into the paint. And if he's dropped too far back in the paint, then Chris Paul and Devin Booker are two of the very best in the league at hitting the shot shot that that surrenders. That little mid-range 12-footer, 15-footer pull-up. We've seen Chris Paul hit that dozens of – hundreds of times. Look, death – taxes chris paul's mid-range he'll be hitting that in his 50s right (laughs) he'll be hitting that for the rest of his life devin booker's great at that shot too and so you can't play a deep drop against them or they're just going to eat you alive and campaign can hit this shot as well so if you press mark up though and you're not trapping they're going to attack his outside leg and if they can get past that outside leg it's a turn and run situation where mark's just never going to win that never going to and that's part of the reason why drummond starts is because he can show higher on those guards and then still recover back yeah he can drop his hips like look mark when he was defensive player of the year mark gasol he could make those plays Right. Mm -hmm. It's why he was one of the best defensive big men during his era. Right. But he's 36 years old now or 37 years old. Like he is not the same caliber of of athlete. And he is he's like to make a football analogy. He was once the great offensive tackle. Right. And now they moved him inside the guard. Right. Because he he could not. Doesn't quite have the he, agility. He not, and, yes, yeah. he could not get to the outside edge guy anymore. But he will stand you up inside if you try to bull rush him. And so all of that attacking him, Payne was really good at that. Devin Booker was really good. Good. Yeah, at they, that. they targeted him a lot. Yeah, and that's why that second. That's the that's the middle part right, that I was talking about, where I thought the first part of, of Mark's first shift was good. I thought that extended sort of that 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 part of the end of his first shift and then his whole second shift, He it was rough out there for him. And it got to the point where he actually even didn't make some of the right rotations where he was recovering only to the paint rather than spraying out to potentially where shooters were because he was just like, let me just get back to my guy. Yeah. Right? To, wh- the, Which, to what I know. And it's rare for him to miss rotations like that. That's right. And, but, but then they closed with him. And I thought in that last shift, he was just a little bit better, right? Like not as good as he was in, in his first shift, but not nearly as bad as he was in, in that last shift. And, but we focus a lot on his defense here. What did you think about what he was doing offensively? They did not play through him as much as as a passer, and, and he didn't have as much of those like highlight, like oh backdoor cut or or I'm spraying the ball around type type of plays that we're used to seeing from from him. But I thought his spacing was beneficial, and he hit a couple of threes. And so, what did you think about his overall offensive game? Man, him just standing there is beneficial to the offense, 
right? Like him just standing there and being a threat. He hit a couple of threes. I thought the second three that he hit in that shift where he closed, we needed somebody to make a freaking shot. It was such a big shot when he hit They that. were down two. He hit that three and put them back mm-hmm. up one. Like that was a huge, like you even heard, psychologically, right? Like the, yeah. The life of the, you heard it in the crowd, Pete. Like this is mm-hmm. the great thing about like these first two games being oh, in yeah. Phoenix rather than in LA, right? Where the crowd capacities are much lower in, in, in LA. I was watching the end of that, that Clipper game and they got, you know, a billion cardboard cut cutouts like like in the stands and meanwhile in phoenix those are real people right they're not cutouts um and they're going nuts and they were going nuts and then mark hit that three and they shushed and that's what it's been a long time man kobe since we used seen- to love kobe used to love hitting that shot fisher too right those are those are great like great moments on the road those are great but those that's what makes a great playoff game, right? Like mm-hmm. the stakes are so high. The intensity is so high. And these team, the, like the end of that game was not necessarily hev- heavyweights, right? But but two hardcore middleweights slugging it out in the middle of the ring. And they were trading shots. And Gasol's shot was one of those ones where it's just like, oh, he knocked other dude's mouthpiece out, right? Like, and the crowd, the all of the crowd that was rooting for that dude that just took the big shot, they're like, oh. And they got quiet, mm-hmm. real quiet right there. And that was a big thing just to just to sort of squash that momentum a little bit and, and turn it back where it's just like, okay, we're on even footing again. Because Phoenix was making a real push there. And if the Lakers don't score and then Phoenix goes up four and then suddenly you start to feel like, Oh, it's, it's starting to slip away a little bit here, but that set up that final stretch of the game, right? Where it was Braun and AD and Braun and AD. And I thought that was super important. And and that shot from Mark, it'll probably be forgotten, right? Because of all of the big plays that, that the superstars made, um, and even the highlight plays from Dennis, who I think we should get get to too shortly. But that was a really big shot by Mark. It was. And just his presence, his ability to hit that shot, that helps positively impact some other possessions. I think, too, the, the phrase you used last pod I thought was really interesting about putting AD in the center of the frame. Yeah. I think part of getting those 21 free throws, the biggest part is AD was active and engaged and focused, right? It's not about anybody else but AD. But Mark being out on the perimeter allows for some more crashing of the offensive glass, some more post work, some more just space in general around the hoop that I think allowed AD to really physically dominate and and in the absence of LeBron's real ability to get to the rim physically dominating around the rim this is why Drummond was very valuable as well is super important because we don't have as much of that with LeBron in his current state uh let's shift gears over to Schroeder yeah along those same lines the ability to get to the basket as I said earlier he was somebody who's even though his stats weren't bad in the last game, I think he did, had 14 points and was five of seven. Defensively, he was frustrating. I There was one play where he let Chris Paul just walk into a wing three in early offense. There have been some like, man, get your hand up type plays. Yeah. 
And I know there were some of those in this game too. Yeah, he had some rough, he had some rough moments defensively. This so game. I'm I'm going to advocate a little more for the positive aspect. Yeah. Oh no, of, totally. Of because sure. overall, had, he he had he had such an impactful game offensively that I think you need to sort of take some of the defensive stuff against shifty, crafty right. guards, right? right? Like these guys get buckets, man. It, it's why they're in the game for Phoenix. It's like, it's not like he's getting blown by, by some dude who is just like, Oh, what are you doing? Give yeah, what's this guy a drive doing? to this right. guy, right? Like pain pain is now back in the league because he can create the type of offense that he has been just like Mike was alluding to earlier. He is not a classic point guard. He is like, he reminds me and people have been saying this, like, like in my mentions of sort of like Damon Stoudemire, a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Oh, as, that's a good one. As sort of a, a throwback, lefty. like uh-huh. little dude, lefty, sort of crafty and shifty with with the ball. Got that real like turn like in that. and like real strong shoulder, like elbow oh, yeah, forward that, that with like the left. Yes. Yeah, where his toes are pointing toward the corner and exactly. the basket this way. Yeah, no, no, he's gotten really good, man. He, and we've, we're going to have to account for him more than I think. Oh, he's going to be a part of the game plan, especially if Paul is looking limited like this. But but back to Dennis, please talk to no, me about what you're doing. Just his um, his ability to attack the basket um, and ability to attack from the wings in particular. His baseline drives have been great. He had a couple of elbow pull-ups, hit a couple of threes, I believe, in this game. Um, and just that second quarter in particular, the first quarter I was excited on one hand. It was like, look, at the de- we're playing great defense. We've turned him over seven times. We just cannot hit a shot. And it was in that like four to seven point range when I'm like, the way we're playing, we should be up 12 to 15. And it was because our offense, we going back to game one, nobody had gotten it quite out of the mud. Nobody had really gone on a run. Yeah. And that's so such a big part of playoff basketball is one dude has an eight, 10 point quarter or a little flurry where it forces the other team to call a timeout. And every team has them. We've seen Phoenix do it to us, and we hadn't had that from any one of our players yet. And Dennis doing that in that time. LeBron had a really good first quarter, don't get me wrong. Uh, but Dennis's flurry in that second, I thought, really helped elevate the offense. And I, I also think that Mark's presence helped him with that as well. So, Mike, you just got done talking to, to Dennis. Uh, what did he have to say about his game tonight? Yeah, guys, thanks for carrying that. I just jumped out to go in and, and listen to the end of LeBron. And uh, I asked Dennis, so LeBron had mentioned that it was so important for Dennis to be aggressive tonight for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them was we didn't see LeBron going to the paint as much. Uh, another was that they were going to try to figure out a way to overplay AD. And so Dennis got in there. He created for himself. He created some for Drummond. He created some for AD. And Dennis then kind of followed that up by just saying, yeah, like that's that's an area that I have to continue to focus on. And this goes back, guys, to when Schroeder was playing really well or right before the health and safety protocol stuff and LeBron had yet to return. Dennis said LeBron kept coming up to him and saying, Dennis, this is what we need from you. Be aggressive. And I think this series and really, guys, looking forward um, and not that the Lakers can look past this series. They absolutely can't. Right. They're in a fight here. But. If, if they're going to be at their peak, considering just what the rest of the roster is doing right now, they have to have Dennis attacking yeah. into the paint like that. And so for for it to work, like I always like to say when it's on film and this is kind of a football term to some extent, but I know that it works particularly on the Laker Film Room podcast. 
when they're watching the tape after the game and they see Dennis getting in there and it working, like that's something that has to continue to, uh, to build in their own plan as a team. And I think that him recognizing it, Vogel recognizing it, LeBron talking about it is just really important. And it, it was one of the bigger factors, I thought, especially in the first half of this game. Pete, I thought you made a great point about Dennis's attack points, right? Because Phoenix is doing a really good job of, of closing off action that comes from the top of the key. And it's very interesting because that's actually one of LeBron loves to drive from the top from the top of the key. It's 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 his preferred attack space, right? And it's because he knows where everyone is spaced out to, right? And even if there's a big guy sort of lingering around the dunker spot, he has a great feel for when to drive when that big defender is right about to pick up that defensive three-second call, right, and step out of the lane. And that's suddenly when LeBron springs to action and is getting to the front front of the rim. But Phoenix is doing a great job of pinching in in ways that are cutting off those angles on drives from the top of the key. And it's one of the reasons why Braun is throwing the skip pass as often as he's throwing it from the top of the key where he is not passing to the wing. He is throwing to the corner a lot. And it's because the angles, that's where the passing angle is. And that's where the driving angle isn't right. And Dennis attacking from the sort of shoulder area, right. And, and driving sideline a lot is really that's where the gap is and, yeah when, when and they're slicing pinching, in when they're pinching middle like that by nature of of closing off the middle they're more vulnerable on the flanks and along those baseline drives and dennis is just kicking ass on those and he's finishing around crowder around on ayton and if they come over that's a little dump off to drummond and that's one of the things drummond and and Schroeder have a nice little chemistry on those particular actions well one of the things one of the actions that they that they run that is a good action for Dennis is Dennis has the ball up top and LeBron is sort of up there with him. Right. And what Dennis does is, is he passes to the wing only to get the ball right back. Right. And so he sort of runs a fake pick and roll with like LeBron going to his left hand. And then he just casually passes to the wing. The wing passes back to Dennis almost instantaneously and LeBron flips his screen angle, right? And then Dennis drives down the right lane line. He's not attacking middle. He like loops around wide and he gets a lot of shots up at the basket on that specific action. And that was one of the things that he was doing in that second quarter when he got hot is he got a layup, he drew a foul and got to the foul line, he hit a three, and suddenly it's rolling for him a little Mm -hmm. bit. And the rest of the game, he carried that same sort of aggression. And that dump-off pass that he had to Drummond late, late in the game, that was another big play, right? Like, these are guys 
this is the part of the game where it's just like, all right, someone's going to take control here. And and Braun and AD closed it. But Dennis, I thought, if this was a relay race, he was like second leg, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, man, we had we had an 8-0 run or so or an 11-2 run to close it out. I think Mark hit that three, and then it was in some order, big play by LeBron, big play by AD, but also big play by Dennis Schroeder. I think the the big picture way that I because you guys make so many small like direct points here when I'm when I'm trying to pull this all together in. So tonight it was Shooter and to an extent Drummond. But the beauty of this Laker team, when you get what you expect from the two stars, then it doesn't matter who the other guy is. It doesn't have to be Kyle, Kyle Kuzma last year as a third scorer. It doesn't have to be Dennis Shooter. It doesn't have to be Marcus All starting which a lot of people were clamoring for. It doesn't have to be THT coming in. It doesn't have to be, you know, minutes for Harold. Like, whatever that other thing is, if LeBron and AD properly set the table, as they often do, and tonight it was AD uh, and the aggression, then we can find whatever that other thing was. Tonight it was not Caruso's best game, uh, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's a rarity. Uh, Kuzma wasn't there again. KCP, we talked about his importance on defense and rebounding. But 0 for 4 from 3, and guys, he was passing up he all was. kinds of threes. Well, you we know? weren't, man, we, the shot clock violations we got in that second half. Yeah. I'm like, it, I yelled at my TV so much in this game. It was like, and, it was and like P, shoot the freaking ball. And, and still, right? And still they, still. they still won. They still beat a good team who was in the mood, whose home crowd was going nuts. And maybe, like, I'm giving them, the role players, a little bit of a pass on kind of being in that tough environment with fans for the first time, basically in two years, especially in a playoff game. Like, I, I think that there's something to that, but but that I do think will change when the Lakers get back to Staples Center, when they have more fans than they did the previous. It'll give the role players a chance mm-hmm. to get going. And now they don't have to, they don't have to be desperate. Like the Clippers are going to Dallas and they're going to have, I think, 15,000 fans, dude. They're going to have 15,000 fans down 0-2. Like, the Lakers get to go home. This is the one weird thing where as long as they were able to get that split, right. you know, they were going to be able to – now they can kind of you know, look at the series. They cannot relax, but it just the point is, like, it's – today it was Shooter, and next game it may be KCP. Maybe right. he hits his first three. You know, maybe Kuz gets going. And then, right. like, you just – as long as you get AD aggressive – uh, the rest should fall into place. It just should. That's what we've seen, and that's why we had to be a little patient after that game one. The one place where I'm a little less optimistic is LeBron. This was the first game where I thought, because this was a big game. We needed to win this game. And I had been wondering when LeBron gets to that point, maybe LeBron doesn't agree that this was an absolute must win, but his aggressiveness in attacking the basket and We've all seen what playoff LeBron looks like. And that has, even playoff LeBron has different levels to him. But this was probably the most concerning game that I've seen of his due to the stakes, due to what's going on, of, of like, what is he capable of physically right now? Uh, D, are, are you worried about him? I. Worried yes no. str- <laughs> Yeah. Yes and no. Worried's a strong word, right? Mm hmm. LeBron, so I will say this, LeBron's a gamer, and he impressed the hell out of me this game with the amount of guile and intensity that he played with in order to help steer the ship towards 
towards the final destination, right? He normally, was, he normally figured he, it out, man. Yeah. Yes. Normally, he is the guy making the plays. This time, he was more of a table setter. But look, man, that dagger three he hit to put mm-hmm. the Lakers up nine with mm-hmm. un, under two minutes left, that's a big-ass shot. That fade that he hit on Cam Johnson, that's a crazy shot that he hit the other shot that he hit from the top of the key the top of the key was so nasty at the end of the third yeah the top of the key right and and so he wasn't the lebron that we're used to seeing how many freaking contested rebounds did he get on Mm. the defensive glass like there were so many little plays that he was making there the last couple of possessions but like in when the lakers were making that push to take control of the game. There were a couple of possessions where he started on Devin Booker, where he switched on to Devin Booker and basically like, no, you're not scoring. Not when I'm on you, right? You can run some action and maybe I'm going to have to switch, but y'all are going to burn some clock while I'm on D book and you're not going to get the thing that you want right out of the gate and so was it like oh lebron putting his head down and putting a guy right into the damn basket and pushing him into the stanchion and flexing no it was not that version of lebron and so that part did have me i am concerned about that part of things but i'm gonna choose to just focus on right this second at least the version that we got was still a winning player version. And that matters for now as much as anything else because the Lakers did need this game. And he pulled out damn near every trick in his bag, right? He didn't have the hammer, but he's like, oh, I got to nail this. I got to smash this nail with the end of a screwdriver. Well, then shit i'm gonna smash it with the end of a screwdriver and 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 then if ad's got to be the final hammer that that closes the door then that's what we're going to do here right and so kudos to braun but but yes i do have that lingering sort of just like all right like if he's not physically there how many of these can he piecemeal together but today he did enough i thought the key shot was not even the, the dagger three like at that point that put the game away uh but the lakers there like so the dagger three came with 49 seconds left the lakers were up six after the pair of booker free throws uh and again even if that shot misses like the lakers that's a 99 percent win percentage at that point like when you're up six even if the other team has the ball because you're going to get the possession they're most often going to have to file but the big shot to me was that fadeaway contested jumper uh, over, was it Payne that it was over when he was fading? Yes. And that one came with about two, let's see, 255 left. Phoenix had been playing better. Like they, that's when they had cut into it. They had gotten the lead. The crowd was going nuts. And that was the kind of settling shot, I thought. AD then followed with the three soon after. And I think, again, these things all build upon themselves. AD was able to take that shot a little more free because LeBron hit his shot. And so this is back to what Pete just said also and what we were discussing. LeBron is has so many tools in his bag that he can find a way to get his team to the, to the promised land. Where my concern was, and we had been on the text thread throughout, 
is that whenever there was not something that he could control fit on the court, he, it seemed like he stayed away from some of those areas. And that doesn't typically happen. And that means he didn't just drive into traffic in the paint, you know, absorb contact, which he can always do in the history of his career. That's been the one thing. Nobody's been able to, able to stop it. He's too big. He's too fast. He's too strong. And he didn't go to that pitch in this one. It was almost like he's, he, he didn't go to it. That doesn't mean that it's not there. But it meant that tonight he didn't go to it. We don't usually see that. So that there is a level of concern there. And at this point, LeBron's not going to talk about that kind of stuff. I'm not even going to ask him about it post game. Nobody is because he's not going to talk about his ankle. He's not going to talk about physically not being. He's going to say, look, I'm on the court. It's good enough. I'm going to figure it out. But it's something to keep track of, just like Chris Paul's situation is. And I would, in fact, be even a little bit more concerned from the Chris Paul standpoint, guys. He, he couldn't really play in the fourth quarter. Uh, he was he was not going to attempt a three point shot uh, because he clearly didn't trust it from there. He uh, he just wasn't near himself, and that's the thing where you you question how if if this was a a same rest as they're going to have right for Thursday if he can get that better. Whereas I do think that you, you hope that LeBron can get a little bit better physically and you know go to that bag because he did it he did it against Golden State in the second half. So that's where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned if I'm Phoenix about Chris Paul than I am about LeBron because he just he figures out a way and he just did it. And now the Lakers got the split. Yeah, he's not debilitated like Chris Paul not being able to take a three pointer in a fourth quarter of a playoff game. That's that's a big deal. LeBron, we'll see. We'll see with LeBron. But with all of the greats, their first title the version that they were was a lot different than it was on their last title. And I think of Jordan in 91 versus Jordan in 98. And that's in a much shorter period of time. LeBron is going to have to, if, if we're going to win the title this year, LeBron's going to have to find a way in, that without maybe having access to everything he's had access to in the past. And we're seeing the first glimpses of how that might look. That's one of the things I've learned so much about basketball from LeBron, from watching him on a day-to-day basis these last three years. And then this last year with the freaking melts from all the different angles from up close and seeing things I could never see from the broadcast angle. Watching LeBron James on a day-to-day basis is the coolest thing if you're a basketball nerd. And I am just fascinated to see how he goes about trying to figure out this puzzle. Because we have a puzzle ahead of us, and he's the person more responsible for solving it than anybody else. And with that said, we've got uh, in the next episode, we're going to have our rewatches. We're going to break down the tape, come back ready for some adjustments. Darius, you got some last thoughts? Just one last thing on LeBron. Of his 38 or 39 minutes that LeBron played tonight, DeAndre Ayton was on the court for 33 and a half of those. Oh, interesting. So when that you're talking sense. about him not driving as much, one of his only drives and finishes at the basket this game came when Phoenix was small and Sarge was in the game. And he took, put his head down, put that shoulder right into Sarge's chest, finished, plus a foul, Right. I'll be very interested to see if Vogel tries to find more minutes where LeBron is on the court and Phoenix is playing their smaller lineup. We typically see AD play in those stretches, but 
LeBron is ne- LeBron is almost always going to read where is my advantage. And when Aiton is on the court, his advantage is likely going to be on the perimeter rather than trying to finish right at the cup. Now, if he has Aiton out on a switch, which has not happened, I don't think very much this this game or this series yet, then it's a different story. But then even then, we talked about that earlier, right, in terms of where is the help, how much help is there, and and what's that look like for me? And, and so LeBron's a supercomputer. So like Mike was saying, he didn't go to that pitch this this game. It could be a physical thing, but it could just be LeBron thinking out the game, like where mm-hmm. is my advantage? And if he sees Aiton within like one foot outside the lane line, and that's a big dude. Am I really going to go in there and, and maybe take a few hits or land on my ankle wrong or whatever? Hell of a playoff debut first two games for DeAndre Ayton. And that's one of the fun things about uh, about a series, Mike, is that there's all these storylines continuing to play out that both teams will be making adjustments. Yeah, nobody expected Ayton, you know, to in his two games go 11 for 13 and 10 for 11. You know, a pretty a pretty remarkable for him. You have to give him credit. I, I just still I don't think that Aiton is going to be the guy that after all these years, LeBron decides he can't drive into. Like, I think it I mean, and there was a possession in the fourth quarter. I'll have to rewatch to, to remember exactly which one it was. But campaign was the weak side help. Yeah. And LeBron still passed it into the corner. So like, I, I just think that like usually if it's a guy like Aiton, LeBron will just drive right into him, create the contact and either get the call and finish, you know, so. Um, that's where, and Darius, you, you hit on this, you said it at the end of your point. So it's not like you're like, Oh, he can't drive into Deandre Aiden, but phys- it, it, to me, there must be some level of physicality there that goes into it with the ankle. And, and I'm just, I'm curious to see how we adjust, but this is why I'm not going to question and why I refuse to sort of freak out, um, after game one is that no matter what's going on with him, he's still like, you just have to give him the trust at this point. He's just, he finds a way he's LeBron. He's so good. He's so good. And he made he made several key plays again down down the stretch. AD was a monster all night. Great game from Dennis Pete. Really good game from Drummond. And the Lakers won game two. And they go home with the split that they really wanted. And now the Lakers have home court advantage. And those plucky, those, those plucky we believe Lakers. Pete, they are <laughs> right. they the seven are seed Lakers. Yes, yes. Seven, they're the seventh seed. Look, mm-hmm. and Phoenix, just like you said, Phoenix is a really good basketball team, and they are in a lot of ways reminding me a bit of like the Nuggets from the Western Conference Finals mm-hmm. last year. A team that mm-hmm. is not going to beat themselves. You're going to have to beat them, and, and they've got a lot of heart. They yes. went down 15 to the Lakers in the second half, and. They didn't bat an eye. No, they came back. We've got ourselves a series. This is a lot of fun. Like I said, this is second round or better caliber basketball. And we're going to be there to break it all down. Next pod's going to be on adjustments for game three because DeAndre Ayton's still kicking our butt. And we got to figure out a way around that whole chess match that goes back and forth. Can't wait to get into that. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds.
an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.